Good afternoon, um, everybody, and um, welcome to today's professional development webinar. Um, we are running a digital media masterclass today. Um, it's uh, a masterclass focused on sort of buying digital media. Uh, we're hoping that you, the audience, will get a better idea of how you can get the best bang for your buck as digital marketeers. Um, today's event, uh, in the interest of transparency, has been brought to you in partnership with the guys at the digital media team who uh, are sharing the screen with me, and you'll hear from them shortly. So a huge thanks for you, for, for, for you guys for helping to sponsor today's events. Uh, just a few sort of kind of like um, house rules, if you like. Um, if you are watching this at a later date on our YouTube channel, then please uh, click like and subscribe. Uh, however, if you're watching this with us live uh, right now, then there's a few things I will say. There is a chat box, uh, chat facility that you'll see at the bottom. Um, if you click on that and if there's any questions or comments that you would like to ask today's panel, then please pop them in there. Uh, however, if you're feeling brave and or have sort of questions or comments that are quite long, then you can actually use the raise the hand feature and that will, what that will do is allow us to turn your audio live and you'll be able to have a conversation with our panelists directly. So there's two ways of questions, either leave the, the questions in the chat or uh, put your hand up like you would do at a normal event. Um, just to give you an idea how the event will run. So you'll shortly will hear an introduction from our panelists. Uh, then there'll be a short um, presentation from today's partner, Digital Media Team. Uh, ben will be doing a quick introduction on uh, what DMT do. Uh, and then we'll go into our panel discussions. Um, unlike a sort of traditional uh, uh, seminar, if you've got questions, just fire them along as we go. Uh, we'll do our best to answer them. We might not be able to answer everyone's questions, but we'll do our best to answer as many as we can. Um, but then at three o'clock, uh, we have just started running these post-event networking sessions. So at some stage during this talk, uh, my colleague Scarlett, who is lurking around in the background, will share a link for you all. And you're more than welcome to come and join us in a separate meeting that will start immediately after this. Uh, you'll be able to meet all our panellists and ask questions and just generally network with each other. Uh, normally what we do, if we only get a small handful of people, like 10, 15, we'll just all share the same screen. However, if we get more than that, we'll sort of do a little bit of a speed networking thing. So you get to meet people one-to-one -one if you're a little bit um, socially anxious. So um, before we start, though, and before I introduce the speakers, what I'd really like you guys to do um, out there is, can you just leave in the chat box, just leave, uh, tell us two things. Tell us firstly, for, where are you from in the world? Which uh, city or country you're from? And tell us what your job role is, please. So just leaving, say, leave Tom, uh, Digital Marketing Manager. If you could just leave that in the chat facility, that'd be great. That'll give us an idea of um, where everybody is from. Uh, and without further ado, uh, I'm going to uh, introduce our speakers today. So we've got Lauren, Matthew, Ben, and unfortunately, Ash, uh, Ash Sadiq, who's the MD of Missy Empire, uh, he's had to cancel last minute because uh, I don't know if you've read in the news, but JD have acquired them here in the UK. So unfortunately, Ash won't be with us. However, we do have a last minute standing. We've got Tim Sharp, who will be speaking uh, on the topic of sort of email marketing. So he's standing in for Ash. So a huge thank you. Uh, Tim for that uh, and without further ado I'm going to get our speakers to introduce yourself but guys what I was going to ask is um, rather than sort of sort of do the professional this is what I do right now can you just tell us what your area of expertise is 
and how you've come to do the job you're doing now. If we just do a short, quick minute now. I'm going to start with you, Lauren, if that's okay. So just tell us what your area of expertise is and how you've come to doing the job you're doing at the moment. Sure. Um, I guess I started off at a previous agency um, doing uh, PPC advertising. Um, a huge focus um, of, of that industry was, it was on fashion. So predominantly in, in the PPC realm, I'd say that my expertise on is on Google Shopping just because of the campaign type that works for fashion brands. Um, since then, I, I joined digital media team and helped to, I guess, grow the Google arm of the company. Um, and that's why I'm here today. Thank you very much. Cheers, Lauren. Um, I'm going to come over to you next, uh, Tim, because obviously you're also new. So just tell us what your area of expertise is and how you've, uh, how you've arrived at doing this job. Yeah, of course. So um, I'm Tim and I've been with DMT for over five years now. Um, originally, I head up the design department and within the last few years, um, we've branched out into to email marketing. Um, so that's where we're kind of coming into to next. Thank you very much, Tim. Uh, Matt, over to you. Just tell us about your expertise and how you've come to do the job. Just as for everyone knows, if you go onto our YouTube channel, you'll see a little bit of a vlog that Matt has done for us uh, a couple of weeks ago. So that's really interesting. Some really interesting insights over there. So Matt, just over to you. Let's know who you are. Yeah, hi, you. guys. Um, I head up the paid advertising here at DMT. Uh, started DMT about five years ago. I originally got into paid marketing by growing my own small brand on Shopify. Uh, sort of taught myself uh, sort of how to run the channels and then came for interview at DMT and never left basically. So um, so yeah, I focus mainly on the paid social side of things. Uh, but yeah, I really focus my attention on, on especially Facebook and Instagram. Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. And last but by no means least, Ben. Um, let us know what your area of expertise is and and also just for my own personal interest how have you got to that job because i've never actually asked you this <laughs> oh true um yeah I, I probably don't know the answer to a lot about that question to be honest it's just sort of happened <laughs> over the years but um no I, I started um with dmt right at the start a background in sales and marketing anyway um started sort of right at the start of our journey uh, about six six and a half uh, years ago now um but we've gone from being, you know, much smaller agency, um, having, having grown massively over the, particularly over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, basically sort of went through the, I've always looked after the new business side, um, but then sort of taken on more, more roles and responsibilities um, and ended up as, uh, as director of the company. So I was one of the directors of the company, I should say. So um, yeah, just sort of naturally happened over the, over the last six or so years as we've, as we've grown into to who we are today. Brilliant. Thanks, Ben. And while you've got the mic, then, do you just want to tell us a little bit about the agency and what you guys do? Uh, you've got a few slides, I understand. Let me just bring them up. So. Yeah, no problem. So as I've just mentioned, digital media team have been around uh, about six and a half years now. Um, started uh, predominantly as just a social media agency. Um, so obviously organic social, social media management and paid social were our first core services. Uh, and then we've obviously led into uh, to other services like your, your PPC, email marketing, Amazon, etc., and, and now into Shopify, web dev. We, we're quite different as an agency in the fact that we don't offer every sort of service. You know, there's loads and loads of companies out there who offer a much wider variety of services, but we stick to what we're what we're good at. And you'll see further on in the next couple of slides that we are generally premium partners uh, with most of the platforms that we work with. So you can see some of the platforms that we. We work on on that slide here. Um, 
one of the titles that we're most proud of is um, is that we're a premium partner of Facebook. There's literally six of those in the UK at the moment, uh, and I believe we're still the only ones outside of the London area. Uh, that's a, a title we're all very, very proud to have, uh, have achieved. It puts us in the top 5% in the world as, a, as an agency competing with the big boys over in sort of California and Miami and things like that. There's a lot of big ones over there. Uh, so the clients that we work with generally, uh, you'll see that our background is, is very much in fashion. Uh, which is why we're here today. Obviously, we, uh, we tend to do quite a few talks for, for you guys as well, but um, yeah, you, you'll see a few of their sort of lavish alleys, Missy Empire, Long Tall Sally, um, probably a few of the more recognisable brands, uh, particularly in the Manchester area, but of course, national and international as well. Thanks, Ben. And, and you do say you used uh, UK there. Actually, I was just looking down our chat box while, we're, while, while you were talking, and we seem to have people from all over the world, really, which is great. There's a few from the UK, a few from the States. Uh, did, I'm pretty sure I saw Trinidad and Tobago, which is um, would be great. I'd love to be doing that from there, if possible. <laughs> um, before we crack off, though, um, I'm just uh, Scarlett's in the background, and she's just going to publish a poll for us. I just want to get the audience. There you go, guys. So just uh, let us know uh, where do you feel you need the most help from? Is it within Facebook advertising or Instagram, TikTok? Uh, PPC and paid search, uh, influencer marketing, email marketing, or something else. If it's something else, it'd be great if you could just, you know, pop them in the chat because that really gives us some insights uh, and something to talk about. So there you go. Are we, I'm not sure if we can, if we can, um, uh, I know the panels can't vote, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. So uh, when you guys actually fill it in, this is generally all the audience. So we'll let that go on for a few minutes. Um, Scarlett will publish the results when they're done. Uh, however, I'm going to start kick off our conversation, Ben. So Ben, I know we had a little bit of a conversation this morning, a brew, uh, a virtual brew. Um, you had, uh, I fear to say, a little bit of a mini rant, but, but um, can you just Give us, kick us off with some of the key trends that you've been noticing in sort of digital marketing recently. I know we're going to come to one thing in particular, but yeah, over to you. Yeah, fine. So um, I, I think the biggest, I suppose if we're going to call it a rant, um, or the, the, the biggest thing that we've picked up on, certainly for 2021, um, to put it simply, is Apple. Uh, they're causing all sorts of havoc um, across lots of um, the, the paid media channels, so Facebook, Instagram. I'll, I'll talk about Facebook quite a lot. I do incorporate Instagram when I'm talking about them because, of course, they own Instagram. Um, but yeah, you know that, that's potentially going to kick in for Google around 2023 uh, with the, um, the sort of tracking issues that they're, they're putting in place uh, for everybody at the moment. Uh, and I'm also going to touch on on email marketing, which not a lot of people know of yet. I think only pe people are only just starting to, to sort of pay attention to what's been happening to uh, other channels like your Facebook, Instagram, etc. Um, but I'll go into it in a little bit more detail, basically. So, Apple have um, in iOS 14.5 when people started being updated onto onto the iOS uh, version, um, they started basically. Um, with a very limited rollout of a push notification that effectively promoted people opting out of tracking. It was made a little bit easier to, to opt out of tracking than to opt in for it. What that basically means um, is that um, pl platforms like Facebook, who are so heavily reliant upon the data that they use to track you um, in order to be able to, to put the best adverts in front of, of your audience for brands, uh, are now being limited uh, in, in the data that they're being able to track and also in their ability to report on the results that are achieving through campaigns through Facebook, Instagram, uh, other platforms. 
So now that 14.6 has come out, that is where we've seen it roll out en masse. Everyone's received it. It's not the limited version anymore. And on the 6th of July, when this started happening, we've seen sort of a steady increase of people taking it and it's just shot through the roof. Um, this now is where people have started, you know, brands are starting to pay attention to it as the reporting is very much skewed. Matt will go into this in a little bit more detail, so I won't ramble on too much about it. Are you, are you saying as marketeers, uh, that's, the big, that's the biggest news at the moment, basically? 100%. Um, you know, marketers who are so heavily reliant, and what this has shown is how heavily reliant brands are um, and marketers are on these paid media channels. Um, you know, the, 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 the reaction, and it's always that knee-jerk reaction. We saw this exactly last year when people started going into lockdown. Um, the knee-jerk reaction comes in, right, we need to reduce spend. But we actually had a conversation with all our clients and every single one of them went the right way. Um, everything went up. And as if, if a lot of the brands on here today will probably hopefully be nodding their head to say, actually, it was one of the best things that they could do is carry on spending. Um, sort of March, April last year when everyone thought, right, we need to stop. Um, yeah. The e-commerce just took off and, and you know, us as an agency, it should really show that we, we tripled in, in staffing size in that time uh, to, to deal with the... It didn't start like that, though, did it? It, did <laughs> it not, didn't no. start like that. It, it started like that. It's a big, big load of conversations with clients first, uh, <laughs> trying to reassure them that we know what we're doing. Uh, we've got the data, we're using it properly, and we had to get them to, to carry on. And as soon as they carried on, the, the, the results spoke for themselves. That's when everyone started scaling up. Um, mm -hmm. Likewise, we're a representation as an agency of, of what happened in the industry because we we had to grow as well to, to sort of deal with it um but yeah just to, to sort of i suppose nip back to the, the the sort of july the 6th um episode so obviously ios 14.6 came out uh everyone uh was who has an apple device i should say that's you know between 70 and 80 percent of the uk uh depending on whether it's iphone um ipad mac etc uh, anyone with an, an apple device um the vast majority of those were opting out. Um, now, that doesn't mean that people are receiving less ads. It just means they're getting ads that are no longer quite as relevant to them because people haven't got quite a lot of data uh, on them anymore. So they're still going to get hit with the same amount of ads every day, but they're just going to be completely irrelevant. Um, that, that's that's down the line. That's not happening yet. It's still very much a platform that people should be using, even though that we're still in that sort of period where that knee-jerk reaction's happened. So, um, with that, I suppose I'm just just referring back to my notes here, just to, to sort of pick up where I was. Um, yeah, I think the main thing that people are seeing at the moment, as I say, the reporting has now been affected a little bit. Um, so even though the results may have actually stayed exactly the same, uh, the reports are starting to show that return on investment has dropped. Um, so that again creates people um, wanting to, to pull spend back. When in matter, as a matter of fact, if they looked at other, other areas like Google Analytics, for example, they might not see anywhere near as sharp a decrease um, when looking at it from a, a one-day click attribution window. But I'll, I'll let Matt sort of delve okay. into what that means for anyone who doesn't understand. Um, one thing that we have seen is an increase in what we call CPMs, which is a cost per thousand impressions. This is effectively the method for buying um, airtime with platforms like Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. Uh, so that is your cost. You, you may pay two pounds, three pounds for a thousand impressions. We've seen, you know, brands seeing 30, 40, up to sort of 60, 70% increases in this. Um, and again, every client comes and says that this is too high, it's going the wrong way. But we've, we've reassured all of our clients and I'd like to reassure everyone on here today that those platforms are still 
certainly at the, the top of your marketing funnel where you, you're looking at brand awareness, your prospecting campaigns, it's still by far and away one of the cheapest ways of getting out, you're getting the right message in front of the right people um, and will still lead to good conversions uh, on your site. So, yeah. Can you sort of sum it all up then? Can you sort of sum it up into... Well, the, I think there was just probably one more point to, to touch on, which again, Tim will lead into, um, is we need to carry on. Uh, so if we're going to put a summary on it with with what's happened with, with the social channels, et cetera, so far, people need to carry on. Don't have that knee-jerk reaction that can kill the muscle memory of any campaigns you've had going, especially if you've been spending considerably on there. Any sort of knee-jerk reactions and turning off campaigns will kill the muscle memory of those campaigns. It will take away a lot of momentum that you... I'm now more heavily reliant on than ever uh, that momentum to, to carry on and make sure you're still getting the results. Uh, so don't just stop. Uh, speak to people first and, and and get the actual data on it before you make any any sort of rushed decisions. Um, but then I think the, the one extra part that I wanted to talk about, which is something that's only very recently been announced, uh, is iOS 15. Uh, and this is where we'll see Apple turn the screw just that little bit more. Um, they are effectively now going to be introducing something called hide your email in ios 15 that usually comes out around september when the, the latest phone comes out um now hide your email is in my eyes a bit of an attack on the, the email marketing uh sector now where effectively when somebody signs up to a, a new website or newsletter or enters their details for um to maybe enter a competition to uh, for a brand Apple, any, anyone on an Apple device, Apple are effectively going to generate a one-time only uh, use, a one-time use uh, email address. So lots of brands are going to be collating data left, right and centre. Um, and what's effectively going to start happening after sort of autumn of this year, if anyone has opted in to hide your email, uh, people's emails lists are going to start filling with with. Uh, one-time only use emails that they'll never be able to remarket to. They might, you know, might, we don't know the ins and outs of the details of this yet because it's only just been announced. We'll, we'll learn more just as we were at the forefront of everything that's happened with Facebook um, because of our status there. We're also sort of platinum, platinum part, partners with platforms like Clavio. So with iOS platform. 15 is what really the talking point is. No, no, no. 100%. I mean, this has been a big talking point and will continue to be so for 14.5 and 14.6, but iOS 15 is just another area of your your marketing efforts that, that is going to need attention and like we've not seen with with people in in this we, we know brands now that, that are spending half a million a month who have still not picked up on the implications of, of ios 14.5 and 6. um now is the time to start paying attention to this and looking at any developments that come through so that we're ready for it and we can act in the best way when ios 15 kicks in um it doesn't mean that any of the data that you've already collated is going to start becoming useless there's still going to be plenty of time uh, you know to be able to use the data that you already have as a brand uh, but any new data you're going to start seeing sharp decreases in the uh the, the, the quantity that you get in, it will improve the quality because someone will not hide their email if they do want to be on your newsletter or your mailing list. We, we were uh, saying that earlier, weren't we? Earlier, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, sorry to just interject there, but um, we've just had the result of the poll here. So uh, where do you feel you need most help? Can you guys all see that? Um, not come up for me yet. The last one did. Is it not? Oh, it's coming. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Okay, good, good. So uh, the... Funny enough, it leads perfectly onto our second discussion point. Um, but obviously, pay, PPC and pay for search is the, the one where most of our audience feel they could do with the most help for, um, which 
leads us perfectly on to you, Lauren, really. Um, do you want to just talk us through a little bit about um, maintaining your ROI with PPC? Uh, talk us through some strategies for that, please. Great timing. I, I did clock the poll earlier and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder like what the end result is of the poll. But yeah, I think that I, I'm not overly surprised by that. I think there are, you know, there's so many different campaign types on Google in general. So I'm, instead of like batting around in between the two, I am going to focus on the most prominent campaign type for fashion clients, just in the, the overall theme of, of the webinar today. But obviously, if people have questions on search or display, YouTube, etc., like obviously we can run through that afterwards. I just don't want to take up, you know, two hours um, mm -hmm. of everyone's time. Um, but I think I'll just start off by saying that obviously there are there are numerous factors that will affect your overall ROI. It's not just your ROI on PPC, but socials, and it's pretty much consistent across the board. It's it's like trending themes across the industry. Um, we've got seasonality; it's a huge factor for fashion clients. Uh, we've got general product offering, which obviously changed in line with COVID. Like everyone started selling loungewear, um, so there are major things that we can obviously adapt towards but bottom line is like we need to be looking at all these other factors to help inform our overall ppc strategy so um i guess my first point leading on to that uh, would would be to be flexible with your budgets and your kpis dependent on what's going around on around you like if you're a brand that unfortunately excuse covid for an example couldn't launch a loungewear collection like rapid like obviously we can't maintain that roi because that intent for maybe like occasion wear just isn't there so you say flexible sorry cut in there yeah. you're talking about short-term planning rather than sort of longer-term marketing yeah I, I think more so now um due to the the industry changing with the obviously the privacy updates um and consumer behavior really in line with in the uk anyway in line with what is going on with the latest like restrictions um obviously i think previously we could look at it on like a month by month year on year sort of comparison basis but now uh, really getting into the habit of looking at everything weekly um as opposed to you know just sticking with that set budget that you've always had month in month out like we really need to be a little bit more adaptable now um than we were before and it's just having the the overall picture and being flexible if we are seeing an uplift um, on, on PPC and we don't have the budget like in my eyes that's that's just a wasted opportunity there would you so. suggest then to sort of like keep a little bit in reserve then when you know I mean obviously people you're smiling that is, is that right or, or um, you well, I think obviously we as an agency like to manage obviously the clients that we do manage we need to have our KPIs on point and we also need to have an overall budget in accordance to those KPIs it's great if you are flexible on the budget. So, you know, as an agency, I don't have to go and add, oh, by the way, if we maintain our KPIs, we are, you know, we're gonna cap out on this budget. It would be great to have a little bit of flexibility. So if your overall PPC budget is like 10K, I'd go 10 to 15, depending on performance. Like it just means that we can react quicker as PPC specialists. And there's, there's less time in between like communicating and getting things signed off. I know, companies are different in the way that their their marketing budgets are assigned but i'd 100 percent say that we need to have like a quicker approach to how we do things than prior yeah 
Okay, uh, which sort of moves on to Matt then, really. So obviously we're talking, we'll come back to talk a bit more about PPC, no doubt. But Matt, um, obviously um, you work within uh, the social aspect of it. So um, tell us a little bit how sort of the social, your social spend should be structured and where you should focus your social spend as well and how that should work in partnership with the work that Lauren does. Yeah, 100%. Um, I guess the biggest takeaway that I've had over the last 30 days working with brands trying to combat the iOS 14.5 and Apple, Apple privacy changes is um, how reliant brands are on Facebook and Instagram. Like, even as an agency, we focus most of our attention on those platforms, but we're looking at 90, 95% of our, our clients' spend is on those two platforms, Facebook and Instagram. And because of all the iOS changes, what we're seeing is that Facebook is now completely blind or completely blind for anyone who's opted in for iOS 14.5 to what actually happens on site when a user clicks one of the ads. So when you actually look over the last seven days, last 14 days for most of our clients in platform within Facebook, ROAS is like a downhill trend. It's, it's crazy how, how bad ROAS has changed. And we're talking like up to 400% decreases in return on investment on Facebook and Instagram. Um, however, when you actually look at different forms of reporting, and if you if you look into like Google Analytics reporting, you can actually see that majority of the results from Facebook is actually an upwards trend. But it's just Facebook is so blind now because they haven't they haven't adapted and made those changes on a on a wider attribution window yet. So what we're doing with our clients is trying to make sure that they one reduce their risk as a business of being completely reliant on Facebook and Instagram for their prospecting and try and really diversify the way they are doing their omnichannel marketing. So you really need to be looking at, especially things like TikTok, Pinterest, and Snapchat, depending on the brand and their target audience. Um, and then and the other thing- Sorry, sorry just to cut in there then, you just mentioned about Pinterest and all those. There's a question yeah. actually in chat from Aditi actually, is Instagram a good platform to start a brand on? So over the last two weeks, three weeks, when all this has been going on, has your opinion changed on Instagram as a platform, as a marketing platform, but also as a platform to launch brands? Absolutely not. I think, I do think Facebook and Instagram is still the most powerful social channel there is to, to, to grow a brand. Um, however, at the moment with the CPM changes and how expensive it is to advertise and do sort of brand awareness activity on Facebook and Instagram, it is quite expensive in comparison to their competitors, mm -hmm. such as TikTok interest in snapchat their cpm costs are a lot cheaper however you've got to remember facebook and instagram are five years ahead um of the other channels in terms of their the way they report on and the way that they, you can actually scale on their algorithm within platform so to answer that question simply i would say yeah instagram is definitely probably still the number one place to sort of grow grow a brand it's just the way you do it and how you split the budgets across the other other uh, platforms will really depend on the brand and the products and your sort of target audience Okay, and then just sort of touch back to what Lauren was saying. Do do you guys have a scrabble for budget between you know PPC and social? Or can you tell us a little bit of that? And what and what what's the sort of normal who should get what type conversation like? Lauren, do you want to pick that up? Yeah, um, I guess like what we we really want to be. I think this is a benefit of obviously paid social and PPC working a little bit more closely together. I find like in other agencies that just doesn't happen. So you don't even have like the budget conversations between the two specialists. It's just assigned at yet by somebody else. So I'd say a major part of that is like, we know our channels best. So I could say, for example, look, we've had such a big increase um, on Google recently. 
um, versus Facebook maybe in line with the changes and the delay in data, not quite seeing that uplift. So we, we therefore need to make like a good judgment on where that is best going, like kind of for the now. So I'd just say it's it's a mixture of um, looking holistically across the board, like how, how each channel is performing in the main um, against like your overall like top line stats in analytics, for example, like are we seeing a bigger upwards trend on Google? Um, in line with like your overall uplifting revenue, for example, and, and vice versa, Matt will do the same. So we definitely want to be pushing our own channels, but we also know that, you know, there isn't an unlimited budget available for everyone. And at the end of the day, we want to get the most revenue for our clients via any channel. So that's where the, the conversation between us kind of comes in with, with the client and we can can you give us a percentage thing then? If you were advising a client now, like to say, look, I've got £100, which wouldn't get us anywhere, but let's just say for ease of maths, how much should go on to sort of PPC and spend with Google? How much should go on to, you know, Facebook, Instagram? Can you give us a, or is it, or is it or was that too much of a simplistic question? Um, I guess it really does depend on how like your brand is performing. I think at the end of the day, we, we tend to see better results on social channels for like fast fashion versus luxury fashion goods so it probably even out when when the price point gets a little bit higher um but i'd say that the majority of the budget across the board at, with, with our clients at the minute if it's fast fashion would go on facebook and instagram versus google so i don't know is it fair to say like 60 40 matt 60 yeah. 40 google but i'd say so but it's like again it's really depending on the brand and the actual client isn't it so if, for example, if there's a brand new brand, a brand new sort of client coming to market, you first you need to sort of launch the brand. You need to do brand awareness. So that's going to be mainly your social channels. So probably more, even more 70% on social because obviously we need to get the brand awareness. We need to get the brand out there. We need to get traffic. We need to get people knowing, educated about the brand. However, if a brand is already sort of well determined in the market, the high intent traffic is coming from Google. People are there to shop. People are there to Google, like buy address by whatever so you want to make sure you're ahead of your competitors so we'd probably shift more of the budget weight towards google to drive that high intent traffic and then use facebook more at the bottom of the funnel to really capitalize on all the traffic that facebook uh, that google's driving um, and make sure if anyone is showing some sort of intent has gone to the website and sort of added the cart or had a look around that we are re-engaging with them at the right time with the right creative with the right messaging to get them to convert there is a question that's just come in the q a box you might not have noticed it actually um, didn't realize it was on but um uh how would you advise a pre-startup company to budget for marketing is there a recommended amount that you would advise to spend on marketing companies and ad spend um ben you're nodding yeah. there Do you want to I, I have this conversation almost daily so i'll probably least <laughs> to uh to, to talk about this one uh, and the guys will agree what what we see a lot of times is obviously when brands are starting up they're in the pre-launch phase the, the, the budgets might not be there um, or they might not want to apportion as much budget to something that they personally haven't tried before. Um, every single one of these conversations without fail, they say, I just want to dip my toe in. Do not dip your toe into paid media. Um, Facebook and, you know, the, these platforms where they're, they're either cost per click or the CPM, as I mentioned before, cost per thousand impressions, they're, they're sort of set up in a way where if you don't do it properly and you don't do enough of it, um, you're not going to get any real data back because you're not getting enough traffic to your website. You're not going to get any real workable data back um, to be able to make any informed decisions on who likes what type of advert, which 
particular creative in your advert you know, struck a chord with a particular audience. All of these things, the ad copy, the text that you use in there, all of these things that sort of contribute to a good ad campaign. Um, you're not getting enough data back to make any informed decisions on where to take it next and how to scale it. Um, and so many brands, we've looked at thousands of accounts over our years now where they've dipped the toe in, they try with like a few hundred pounds there, a few hundred pounds there. There's no ongoing strategy. Uh, there's no um, sort of momentum again, like I'll use that word again to the campaigns. And I've never once seen it work. Um, Are you saying it's a waste then, Ben? Absolute waste. You, you take no, you take almost no learnings from it. And you can see that sort of the process that these brands have gone over in the mind, you can see the mind working when you look through the, the sort of the history on the account. It's like, well, I keep hearing it works, so I'll, I'll give it another try. And then they put another £300 into it. Well, that didn't work. It didn't make any money. We're genuinely a, a minimum these days of, of really sort of four to five K not 45, four or 5K. Um, per, per month. Per month, per month. Yeah. absolutely. Don't look at this as a one month or a one week trial or anything like that. It's got to be a consistent campaign. Um, and that's just your sort of day-to-day -day advertising. You know, every brand should be doing a pre-launch phase. Now our pre-launches that we do, uh, which we've done for, for the likes of Foot Asylum, uh, which obviously with some sort of heavier budgets, they don't need to be any longer than three or four weeks you don't need to be sort of putting it out there months ahead because people will get bored of it before they can even buy your products um and then you're just paying more to sort of annoy them more if anything um so no three three or four weeks of a pre-launch activity and you've got to think you know you're trying to build the hype up of a new brand so the creative's got to be absolutely on point for that um the, the sort of the way you're putting the messaging out and, and there this is what i was saying before facebook and instagram and, and other channels are still going to be the cheapest way that you're going to get that message out en masse to your desired audience. Um, and especially for that, that top of the funnel activity, as we'd call it, the brand awareness prospecting phase, um, that is where that, that money should be spent. And really, as little as you put in, as, as little as you'll get out and, and as much as you put in, you'll get more out simple as, but it's, it's got to be, um, it's got to be a good, consistent, strategy that you're putting forward. Can I, can I just ask then, because obviously the first thing I was thinking then is the question that's come up here from Maria as well. It's a crazy amount for smaller brands. So if you are a smaller brand that's trying to embark on, or even if you're not, if you are a bigger brand that has money to put into it, but don't want to risk money willy-nilly, um, what's the starting point then? What should you, would you advise them to go into like third-party marketplace to start with? Because obviously the third-party marketplace do half the marketing for you or, or what? what exactly. There are, there are options like that. We just see, um, and again, it does sound like a crazy amount for a small startup brand. Um, this is where a lot of people will do things like PR, um, using influence. I know we're going to touch on influencer marketing anyway. I'll be honest with you, I could probably roll that question into this because it's, it's certainly at this sort of phase. Um, where, where it is important. A lot of people then make the decision to either use influencers or use paid media. Well, paid media is here to, first of all, get the message out to people, but then retarget your audience effectively to generate a conversion on your website. So one without the other is, is sort of a crazy idea as well for, for, for the start to, to use the word crazy is a lot of people think, right, well, I'll, I'll get an influencer to send a load of traffic to my website. But then they don't capitalize on the traffic that comes on that website by not remarketing to them effectively through through paid social through ppc uh, and email marketing that's there to sort of finish the job that the influencer started by sending that person there mm -hmm. so one without the other should, shouldn't be done so so there isn't an easy answer then to what is the starting point i mean 
I mean, I know I've, we've, we are actually running a talk later this year about third-party marketplaces because there are some brands that want to start and then they complain about the fees that they're taking. Well, I'm sort of saying, well, you know what, it might be 30%, it might be 50% in some marketplaces, but they're doing all your email marketing for you. They're doing all your, they're doing all that bit for you. And when you are big enough and got a follow enough, then they can come to guys like you to take them to the next step. But is there an alternative solution to that? Or or, or is it just a case of it's it's dead hard? <laughs> it's, it's getting harder. You know, this this comes down to that thing. People need to start investing in, in the sort of newer platforms like TikTok as well. I think in, in 2012, 2013, when everyone was saying, well, Instagram is just full of kids and no point being on that platform, that the learning curve has, has happened hopefully since for brands because in 2014 and 15, when we see some of the brands that we work with, you know, they, they were printing money almost at that point because Instagram was on the rise. Um, influencer marketing itself as an industry was on the rise. And now that platform and to a degree that industry is, is, is quite saturated. It's much more difficult for an influencer now to generate money from a post when they, they would have been able to do it three, four, five years ago. Uh, they're finding it more difficult to actually get conversions when they offer out social codes and things like that, mm. uh, that their names are not attributed to. But Instagram as a platform is also, uh, especially if you want to sort of build a brand on there and try and grow your following, it's very difficult to do. The algorithm is extremely tight now because everybody wants to be there and it's very expensive to do. So you're not going to do it for free anymore. You've got to pay Facebook. And so so in a way you're kind of, I know people look shocked at the amount of money you have to need to launch, but in a way you're kind of saving them money, really. 100%. I've seen people waste 50, 100K by sporadically doing it over you know months here and there over, over a period of yeah. four or five years and learn nothing for that money, for that spending. Well, I want to bring Tim in here. So obviously I'd love to go on the a bit more around this point but for i know vanessa's asked is there a presentation and a few other people is no we haven't got a presentation this recording will go on youtube but what i would suggest to you guys that perhaps want to dive a little bit deeper just join us at three o'clock and have a chat to ben or lauren or whoever face to face so yeah if you want to dive deeper this is probably it's not there aren't many opportunities you get to speak to sort of people experts on this level so please try and join us at three o'clock scarlet will share the link in uh, the chat box shortly um tim i want to bring you in um because i want to talk a little bit about something i know a little bit about which is email marketing young son hero so do you want to just talk us a little bit about strategies for that, Tim, on how to manage campaigns on email, but also how to build a list? You know, it'd be great to know how, because I mean, that's getting harder than ever it is now. Yeah, of course. So um, first of all, just to kind of like kick off, um, we're touching on iOS 15 before, <clears throat> excuse me, um, just to clarify in terms of the, like they're hiding your email. So far, what we know is it affects iCloud email addresses. So that's just so far that could change to Hotmail, Gmail, et cetera. Um, but so far it's only iCloud. Um, other updates that are going to come, are it's going to um, hide potentially your IP address. Um, so why is that important? That's important with segmentation. If you want to kind of like pick people's locations, if they don't necessarily input it in any um, input fields, uh, whether that's for your site or for a pop-up and so on. Um, and lastly, the other um, update is going to be, you can have the option to hide your um, open rate. So basically opening your email, any of your customers uh, will be able to see that. So I know that kind of sounds like a lot of, a lot of doom and gloom, but in terms of like plans and the steps so far, there's a couple of things that you'll want to start looking at is your segmentation. And so making sure that when you've got your list, you're putting them into certain actions 
So, for example, in Clavio, you can break it down by what a user's done, what kind of things they do on site, products they've bought, etc. And you want to make sure that you're really like tailoring your email and your content to those audiences. So it's not just all about. A lot of people tend to think, okay, I've got twenty thousand email addresses. Surely, if I just send it to that all the time, um, I'm going to get a, a decent return. You want to really make sure that you're you're breaking everything down. You're breaking it, segmenting it, making sure that the content of your email is going to resonate to the people that you send them to. With the hiding of the um, like the lack of visibility, the open rates, all that's going to mean in the future is that click rates and conversion rates will inform you of like how well you're performing. Essentially, your open rates is basically an indicator to show about like your list health and how engaged your users really are. Um, you know how well how well you're doing with your your email marketing. So it's not necessarily kind of um, it will have some effect, but it's just going to kind of like move the goalpost essentially. Um, and the, the next focuses will be the click rate and conversion rate. Um, so that's just kind of like to go Speak, into speaking the, uh, of which, time, Sorry, we did speak about this before we went live. Do you want to just sort of like let us know what a good open up rate and click rate is for the audience, so that they know they're doing well or not doing well? Or- yeah, of course. Um, so from a B2C um, standpoint, anywhere kind of above 20%, so 20 to 25%, even 30 in some cases, and if you've got a really strong um, audience, is a, a good kind of like indicator that you, you're doing the right thing. Okay. And then the click rate? Uh, click rate between 2 to 3%. And um, overall for, for B2C ones. Okay. And that's 2 to 3% of the overall sending, or is that of, of the overall? Of, of the people opened. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, so it'd be like that. your list, and yeah. of those people, of that list, how many people opened? Of those people, how many people clicked? Brilliant. Um, and before I move into the next point, I just want to ask you so we talked a little bit about operating a list, and, and where, in your opinion, Tim, you might be slightly biased on this, but where should it fit within the whole marketing mix alongside what Lauren Matt does? Obviously, you know, the money you spent on email marketing, I imagine is acquiring people, but in terms of performance. Yeah. So where it sits in the funnel is, is mostly retention. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you're using peer social and PPC to get new customers to acquire them, which is, you know, really like the hard work. The, the next challenge of it is to look after them. Um, so email really sits in the retention side. So it's, you know, contacting uh, previous customers, um, anyone who's kind of like showing interest. It's you want to create uh, what we like to call wanted emails. Um, so the thing with with email addresses is it's very personal because with every email you're, spoke, you're speaking to them on a direct level to that individual person. So personalization is key. But yeah, to go back to your question, Email sits in retention mostly. So Lauren and Matt get them in, you keep them there basically, effectively. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Go on, Lauren. No, just just agreeing with what Tim was saying. Like, obviously, you could, and also what Ben was saying, like, you know, what we are asking for a decent volume of ad spend to benefit from the additional data that will help with the efficiency of the channels, which is why Ben was saying, like, we need, it's not an on-off approach, especially if you're, you're starting from scratch. Like, we need that consistency. We need that data because that's what's going to inform better decision-making on Google and Facebook. So what I'm trying to just emphasize the point, like, we've put in, the money to acquire that new customer um, that 
the easiest bit well sorry Tim not easiest bit but the bit that you guys should 100% be doing like is is making sure that you are getting that customer to purchase again without having to front that initial advertising cost so yeah just backing up his point really I think what you do is easy Tim yeah of course that's what she's saying you know (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know it's important it's important to look after your data it is, and I think Ben and I have had conversations about this in the past. It's all about the one thing that's great about email is you own that relationship. It's for you to to to, to make the mistake and for them to unclick. You know, yeah. it's obviously yeah. with with the social media accounts and PPC, you've got to go through a third party, and that's that's the beauty. I think most brands should be aiming for. I think it's fair to say, wouldn't wouldn't you? Or, or you know, build yeah. an email. Yeah, no, list. I think I think that's yeah. It's, it's fair to say, it's build a good solid email list. Cool. Uh, I want to move on quickly to talk a little bit about Amazon. Uh, Lauren and Matt, you had a few thoughts on that. And maybe this ties in to what we were saying earlier. What are your thoughts on Amazon as a platform for marketing? Because I know they offer a range of paid for options as well now, don't they? Uh, Matt, you've gone off mute. Do you want to start? Yeah. I guess I can kickstart this. So to, even for us as an agency, Amazon marketing is uh, a new service for us. So relatively uh, new to the game in that sense. Uh, however, what we've seen so far especially from the fashion clients is massively neglected channel um and to us the clients that we do have on board who are spending quite a lot of money with amazon are more more outside the fashion world however the their their roas and their sort of returns from the the channel are fantastic they are in comparison to what they're seeing on page social especially and even sometimes in terms of google as well it's just phenomenal um and we know with uh, from what we can see in america around amazon fashion um and what they call amazon prime wardrobe it's, it's a massively growing network uh, channel um i think around 39 percent of the purchases made in 2020 over covid uh, were related to fashion products across amazon which is just showing you how how quickly it's, it's growing um so yeah, and it's such a high intent channel. People people are on Amazon to shop. People have to go to Google for to search like search around a mm-hmm. number of different sort of keywords, search terms that people use. But when they're on Amazon, they're looking at the intent is so high. I imagine it's important to 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 note though that obviously you have to pay not only to advertise on Amazon, but obviously then there's a fee to sell on Amazon. So the cost is you have to you have to factor that cost in as well i imagine yeah there's multiple fees with amazon and that's how they're making so much money themselves but yeah yeah as you say there's obviously fees to, to go on to amazon prime and va but then there's also the amazon uh, ppc side of things which is amazon yeah. pay-per-click which is similar to like google pay-per-click as well yeah and again, oh sorry go on no sorry i was just bringing you in that's all no, I, mean, I was just going to kind of like compare the the differences that, that I'm seeing anyway on like Google PPC versus Amazon PPC, like um, 100% convert from what I've seen amongst like fashion and other um, category clients, conversion rates do tend to be higher on Amazon PPC versus Google. Um, I guess they're logged in, they're on Prime, that that intent to buy is is naturally a lot higher for that reason. Obviously, you go to Google to buy, but you're, you're more likely to browse. Uh, maybe come back later on. If you're logged into Amazon, you're going to order, you're going to get it the next day. Um, so CPCs tend to be higher, but because of that conversion rate increase that we are seeing on Amazon, it tends to be a little bit more profitable. So just to tie in with the the additional cost of obviously advertising on Amazon, 100%, you should factor that into your overall ROI KPIs. So don't have the same KPI on Amazon versus Google, like factor in that additional 
chunk that is going to Amazon as a result of that sale. But yeah, just to emphasize Matt's point as well, like it's kind of not utilized its full potential, especially in fashion at the minute, but we know that Amazon are pushing that category. Um, I think it's like around 11th at the minute. Um, there's been an, a bigger uptake in the US, but what we're trying to say is like kind of, it's going to grow, get get there first and, and get things set up. And there's an opportunity yeah. is what you're saying at the moment. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If, I mean, if you're not there, then you can't be found. Um, I imagine Amazon's a nightmare to get any data from though. It's not like you can build your email list from Amazon, is it? Unfortunately not, well, no. Yeah, yeah I guess you can get anything. The positive side of Amazon is that they cover everything in terms of fulfillment, customer service, returns. So it's all of that is taken off your plate, which is worth taking into account. So they've got your proverbial pants around your ankles. <laughs> yeah, the best way, of, as people say, <laughs> you're borrowing the customer from Amazon. But even if you're borrowing it, there's still some good returns to be made there. I think the one thing that the reason why fashion hasn't really evolved as quickly as on Amazon as like other brands is that it's very hard to showcase the brand and like the brand vibe in that sense, uh, just because it's so product related. Like how do you how do you jump out compared to your competitors? However, what Amazon are doing now is something called a store page, which is best way of describing it. it's like a little little website within Amazon. So there you can sort of showcase your brand where you can upload your own videos, your own content, your own imagery, and really sort of show off the brand image in that sense. Um, for a fee. Not for a fee, that's all completely free. Yeah. Um, and you can actually, when you, when you actually build out your campaigns on Amazon, like marketing campaigns, you can actually, instead of directing people to the product page, you can actually choose to direct people to that store page. Um, and then once people are on that store page, then you can start like remarketing campaigns and sponsored display campaigns on those particular store pages as well. So Amazon is adapting quickly, um, especially for the, mar- uh, for the fashion world. I think it's massively neglected in the UK market and definitely potential there for brands to get on there. Brilliant. I've, I've just got one eye on time as well. There's a couple more things I want to get in. Guys out there, if you're listening, if there's any more questions you want, uh, please pop them in the chat box or come and join us immediately afterwards and, and ask the guys face-to-face. Um, I just want to just, I know you guys aren't specialists in influencer marketing, but do you want to just, um, Ben, um, do you want to just come in on this point? Yeah. Just talk us a little bit about where that fits into this mix and how you should use it and all that. You mentioned earlier it might be a good thing uh, for start-off brands to work with, but I also know that influencer marketing is quite a costly thing as well, but do you want to sort of, Talk about how it fits into the page. Well, yeah, of course. I know Ash was was due to, to to talk about this, so it won't be probably as as detailed as uh, as Ash may have gone into it. But of course, he um, certainly for the, the type of spender that he is, you know that the budgets are generally sort of in the region of around 150k a month. I'd spend with us, um, sometimes rising up to around the 200k mark and 250k in the, in the shopping season. So his use of influencers. Will of course be a lot higher than you know if we're going to angle this towards your your, your sort of startups. Um, it is still a, a, a no-brainer, I suppose, for, for brands to be using influencers. Yes, it's become a lot tighter, a lot more difficult. There's a lot of influencers out there that have, I think they've they've tried to flog every brand sort of in their in their sort of remit. But you know, if they're a sort of young male who's been on Love Island or something like that, every menswear, urbanwear, streetwear brand has has been on the back at some point. And I think that's maybe lost a little bit of credibility uh, with their audience and their followers uh, and has led to, to less conversions. However, what we're noticing now uh, is obviously this, this micro-influencer industry that's coming through, or, or sector that are coming through, where they're really, 
they're, they're much more keen on promoting brands that suit their image personally. Uh, they get a lot more credibility from their, their followers. Um, they don't tend to have as many followers, so you tend to use more of these influencers uh, that sort of suit your brand. But you, you just generally get a bit more of a, a feeling of integrity from from those type of influencers and better quality results as a result of that. Uh, their followers are much more bought into to what they're doing. Um, so I would definitely recommend going down that route. And some of them, you know, because they don't boast massive followers, the, the fees aren't astronomically high. You know, there's, there's still influencers out there with half a million, million followers. There's, there's plenty of them uh, that come from that sort of, that same sort of world. And they're still charging sort of two, three thousand pounds for one post. And again, one, one thing that I would say, I know this is one thing we've talked about in the past, Dale, is that never do sort of a one-off post um try and try and build up a you know a, an idea whether become almost a brand advocate uh you'll generally get a better price per post as a result of it do a maybe a, a short term two month three month four month commitment with them where they're gonna they're gonna post multiple times they're gonna do stories on instagram they're gonna put posts on their platforms on their on their fit on their timeline and things like that um and the reason for that you know if you Imagine your audience is scrolling through your their, their Instagram stories and you've just paid someone two, three thousand pounds for literally maybe a 15 second story. Um, that person has viewed that story. And if they haven't clicked on it there and then, it's gone. That, that's it. They're on to the next story. There's no follow up to it. You've just paid for a lot of people to see something once that they've probably forgotten about 30 seconds later when they've watched the next couple of stories. Uh, and it really should be that sort of ongoing campaign. This is why paid social is still one of the, the and, and PPC are, are, are still as successful as they are for brands because we don't just hit them once, we retarget them. It's the old marketing rule of seven. It's been around since long before Facebook, Google ever existed. It still exists today, which just, this is the medium that we use to, mm -hmm. To, to use that method. Um, so I would say go down that route when it comes to influencers. And again, as I mentioned before, don't do one without the other. You're not, if you, if you don't do paid media, um, you're gonna send up, you know, quite a, maybe some really good quality traffic to the site. But if those people don't purchase the first time round and you're not retargeting those people uh, or making any attempt to, you're gonna be wasting money that you would have made. You'll um, never see that money you would have made. So it sounds like, message really today is like if you haven't got the means to do a strategic campaign then maybe think twice about whether to do it at all or Don't do it at all if, you, if, you, if you're not going to do it properly it's i have to be i probably sound a bit sort of certainly did before I, i'm really passionate i don't want to see people wasting money on it because we've seen it far too many times and i, I probably sound quite firm when I, when I was putting it across before but if you, if you haven't got the, the budget there there and then I genuinely believe it would be better for people to go and seek investment so, so that they can do it properly and give themselves a chance of actually getting that brand off the ground using these uh, these channels these days, rather than trying to struggle through uh, with with not enough budget and not enough learnings, uh, because it can take forever in a day, especially as things are a lot bit tighter at the moment with, with everything we talked about in this today. Would any of you, any of you out there would like to give any sort of suggestions on what startup brands could do to test market? It sounds like you're saying don't use these platforms, do something else. Perhaps. There is, well, the, pop up there shop is. and this this genuinely wasn't a plug that you've just done there because uh, I don't even know if you know about it. <laughs> We're actually in the process at the moment of setting up uh, something called an e-commerce e essentials service. It is more tailored towards brands with lower budgets, um, towards startups. It takes the core 
effectively essentials that you would need from a marketing uh, marketing setup. So your full funnel marketing setup that we would use. We're still going to be very selective. We're not just going to let anyone come onto it because again, we're certainly not going to be associated with having failed for a brand. We have very long-term relationships with all our clients. We're not, we wouldn't just take anyone onto it and we'll still be going through that sort of betting process that we do before we, we, we work with somebody in DMT. Um, but it's effectively a slightly more cost-effective way of doing it with slightly smaller budgets, less in fees, et cetera. Um, and that is something that we're using. We, there's a couple of different routes we're going with it, but that is something that we're trying to provide to try and bring the cost down as much as possible so that people can get into it and do the right thing, uh, you know, do it in the right way. Um, but we can we can send out a bit of info on that. It's not even ready yet. It's just something that's happening, which is why you probably wouldn't have even known about it yourself, to be honest. But um, that is something that we are trying to do um, to, to try and help people sort of take that first step and, and, and start using these channels. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Um, I'm going to sort of round it up now because we come to the end. Um, like I say, if anybody out there feels there's more questions, then please come and join us. That link in the chat box will be there for about 20 minutes. You'll be able to ask whatever you like of either Ben, Tim, Lauren, or Martin, Matt, or even myself, if you, if you think I can answer something. Um, so I just want to sort of like, but, I mean, if, like I say, I think what's been interesting for me, particularly what you were saying, Ben, is that when sort of the social media platforms came out, there were loads of disruptors coming out. I think things have just changed over the last 10 to 15 years. I don't think it's as easy to be that disruptive brand from a bedroom as you once were. I mean, it's not impossible. There's still plenty of people coming out disrupting, but I think that's the message I'm sort of taking a little bit from this. But I'd like to know what your thoughts from all of you are in terms of what the next two to three years are going to look like in terms of digital marketing. And I might come to you, Matt, first, if, if you can just give us an idea what you're, anticipating the digital marketing landscape to be like in the next few years? Yeah, uh, I think at the top of any brand owner's priority list at the moment should be reporting. They really need to sort out their reporting because I said before, people have been so reliant on Facebook's attribution reporting with the 28 day uh, view and one day click attribution model. However, that's completely gone out the window now. So people will need to look elsewhere to make sure that they're managing their budgets correctly and how they split it across the channels. The best way of doing that is going to be key reporting. So make sure you focus on getting your, your Google Analytics up to speed, looking at third parties to try and improve the way you're reporting. And then from there, um, I, I think that the next two, three years is, is going to be a whirlwind. Um, I think it's, it's been a hit, huge reset on how we're going to report as digital marketers and also how we're going to market to our consumers um, and potential target markets. But I, I do think Facebook and Instagram are going to be leading the way. They are, I guess, four or five years ahead in terms of the data data teams that they have in house, um, and I do think that they've got major changes. One of the biggest changes is actually going to happen today, June thirtieth. They're changing the way they statistically model on Facebook and Instagram, so we should see better better reporting, better analysis coming through for the, the platform. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just going to we're going to have to completely change the way we we uh, we do things. One of the biggest things is what we call the CAPI, the conversion API, where Facebook and even the other social flat channels are making sure that we don't do browser to browser um, reporting, but we do server to server, which is um, the next step, basically moving away from the cookie um, and linking the platforms directly to the, the servers. Lauren, just quickly, because uh, we've got really, time's running out a little bit. What's the next two years look like? Yeah, I, I'd say that there's going to be a real emphasis on first party data. So yeah, again, moving away from the tracking via cookies in 2022, Google are going to stop doing that. 
Um, obviously, it's not been rolled out just yet, so there aren't like huge changes um, right here, right now. But yeah, in the next two to three years, 100%, like it won't, it won't be a thing. Um, so I'd say start building, top tip, start building on your first party data, your emails, um, and, and keep them engaged and attribute as much of that data as possible to your existing campaigns. Um, that'd be my top suggestion, yeah, is that focus on first party data. Thank you, Ronan. Tim, what's your next two to three years look like? Um, I think it would be personalization. Um, as kind of like we're moving more into privacy, it's like more about individualism. Um, I think like personalization is gonna be key um, going forward with your, with your marketing. Brilliant. Thanks, and Ben, just got a few seconds left. So. Yeah, very quickly, I think obviously with the, the core that we've been talking about today, a lot of this has all come from Apple. Um, Apple have obviously their angle that they're using here is that it's all about people's privacy. Um, I personally have always seen Apple to, to want to financially capitalise on it. I do personally believe that I think they'll, they'll bring out an extension to what already exists in Apple advertising, which is just for the App Store optimizations at the moment. Uh, I think they will bring out something that looks very similar to sort of Facebook and Instagram um, as an advertising platform and, almost, and also an email marketing platform. I do think there'll be a more privacy-led version of advertising coming from Apple. Um, probably early next year, in, in my estimations, I, I, I would expect to see something from them. I don't think they're just going to cut everyone else off and potentially miss out on these billions of pounds that are being spent by businesses globally. Thanks, Ben. And um, thanks to all our audience for listening in. Uh, huge thanks to the digital media team for helping us put today's event on. Like if any of you want to have a quick chat with any of the panel, uh, with a little bit of face-to-face -face networking, the link is just there in the chat box. Uh, I shall see, hope you guys have got the links, I assume. So I'll see you guys in a few minutes, a quick, uh, post event unfortunately i can't buy you all the glass of wine or anything because it doesn't work out that way online so i'll see you soon so thanks very much guys appreciate it bye bye cheers thank you very much bye do we come off here now yeah